Good Friday morning. There are new positive signs in the debt ceiling talks. And a major surprise coming out of the key summit in Japan. It's May 19th. This is today. Steady progress. The White House and Republican leaders inching closer to a deal with the default deadline fast approaching. This morning, the sticking points that still remain. While at the G7 summit of the president and world leaders, an unexpected guest, Ukraine's president in person. We're there live with the very latest. Inside the terror, newly released body camera video of that mass shooting in New Mexico. The chaotic scene as people raced for cover and officers run toward danger to stop the rampage. New concerns, growing questions over the health of Senator Dianne Feinstein, the oldest member of Congress. The complications from an infection her office is just now revealing and what it could mean for her future on Capitol Hill. Halt Disney, the entertainment giant scrapping a plan to build a billion dollar complex in Florida, escalating its feud with Governor Ron DeSantis. What both sides are saying about the move just ahead. Those stories plus pay to stay. Should parents charge their adult children rent to live at home? I would much rather have to pay my mom and dad $200 a month than have to go pay some somebody else 800 we will dive into the big family debate happening in homes across the country and surfs up we are revealing the best beaches in america with the man they call dr beach you gotta have clean sand clean water and safe beach a little vacation inspiration with the unofficial start of summer almost here today friday may 19th 2023 from nbc news this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cuffey, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Today. So nice to have you with us on a Friday morning. I'm ready to talk about summer. Memorial well, Day a week away. Just imagine this time next week, we'll be packing our bags, our bathing suits and planning for a fun weekend. Well, we'll tell yeah. you where to go. We've got the best beaches in the country to tell you about. But let's start this morning with the president overseas attending the G7 summit in Japan, where he's meeting with the leaders of the world's most powerful democracy. Yeah, And we've now learned the president of Ukraine will make a high profile in-person appearance as part of his ongoing effort to shore up more support for the war with Russia. Another big issue, of course, facing the president is the debt ceiling crisis here at home. With less than two weeks until the deadline to avoid an economic crisis, there is still no deal. But lawmakers on both sides are finally pointing to signs of progress. For the latest, we go to NBC's White House correspondent, Peter Alexander, who is in Hiroshima, following it all, traveling with the president this morning. Peter, good morning to you. Savannah, good morning. As for President Zelensky, White House officials this morning say it's extremely important at this point in the war that world leaders hear directly from the Ukrainian leader about the situation on the ground there and what specifically he needs going forward. Zelensky is certain to make the case that his nation's survival is dependent on the continued flow of money and weapons from the U.S. and its allies. At the G7 summit, preparations for a possible surprise with Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, expected to attend in person this weekend, according to a top Ukrainian official. It would be a daring trip as he tries to secure continued support in the form of arms and aid from the world's most powerful democracies. It would also be the first face-to-face -face meeting for Biden and Zelensky since the U.S. president's secret visit to Kiev in February. 
The news comes as the G7 leaders here unveiled a new round of sanctions against Russia while vowing to step up enforcement of existing penalties, all designed to further isolate Vladimir Putin. With Putin threatening to use nuclear weapons in Ukraine here in Hiroshima, President Biden and U.S. allies today visited the Memorial Peace Park, honoring those who lost their lives when an American atomic bomb leveled this city during World War II. The summit, a show of resolve against new obstacles to peace and an effort to counter an increasingly assertive China. What should the consequence be from the U.S. for China? One, protect ourselves. Two, invest in ourselves. Three, make sure that we're straight and honest with them. The days in which you get to cheat and think that we don't care, those days have come to an end. Also overnight, President Biden receiving updates on the ongoing debt ceiling negotiations back home, with the U.S. now less than two weeks away from running out of money to pay its bills, triggering what experts warn would be a catastrophic default. Aides telling the president steady progress is being made, but still no bipartisan deal. Look, we're not there. We haven't agreed to anything yet, but I, I see the path that we could come to an agreement. One key sticking point remains whether an agreement would include stricter work requirements for public assistance programs like food stamps and Medicaid, a move some Democrats oppose. I would vote no. The White House says President Biden left his diplomatic dinner here early, expecting to get another update on those debt ceiling negotiations. During President Zelensky's expected visit here this weekend, the Ukrainian leader is likely to push G7 leaders for F-16 fighter jets to combat Russian forces. President Biden is facing growing pressure from members of Congress and from allies to provide those planes. But so far, he has decided against it, Savannah, amid concerns that F-16s could further escalate the war. Back to you. Peter Alexander, thank you. We should mention Peter and Kristen Walker will have the latest on this summit and those budget talks going down to the wire. They will be live from Japan on Saturday today, tomorrow. Now, now let's move to a new court appearance for the Air National Guard member accused of leaking highly classified military documents. A judge is set to consider if he will remain behind bars while he waits for trial. This all comes as new court filings confirm this disturbing video first published by The Washington Post showing the 21-year-old using radio racial slurs before he fired that rifle. NBC's justice correspondent Ken Delanian joins us now. Ken, what do we expect from uh, the hearing today? Hoda, good morning. That awful video really underscores the Justice Department's argument here that Jack Teixeira is just too dangerous and unstable to release on bail. Prosecutors are going to argue today that setting him free would pose a risk to U.S. national security because they say foreign adversaries would be salivating at the prospect of helping him escape. They also say he can't be trusted because he has a history of hiding what they call his unsavory character, including racist and extremist views. Now, his lawyers are asking that he be released to his father's house with no access to weapons or the Internet. And they cite past cases of national security leakers who have been let out on bail. The judge has said he will make a decision today, Hoda. And then also, in addition to that, Ken, prosecutors are revealing some new information regarding how to share a handle that classified information. What are we learning there? Yeah, this is a big deal. In arguing to keep Teixeira in jail, the Justice Department released a stunning series of memos showing that Teixeira had been written up 
at the airbase for acting suspiciously with classified material on three different occasions over the last year, and yet his access was not taken away. The Pentagon has suspended two of his commanders and ordered the entire unit to stop performing its intelligence mission. But what these memos appear to show is that the Air Force had many chances to prevent this damaging leak, guys. All right. Ken Delaney and Forrest there in D.C. Ken, thank you. Fifteen workers were rescued, but two are still missing after a massive fire. It happened at a construction site in Charlotte, North Carolina. Look at that. At least 90 firefighters were called to the scene of this five-alarm fire yesterday, towering flames. And that cloud of thick black smoke could be seen from several miles away. More than a dozen construction workers became cornered by the fire. They had to be rescued. Two workers still unaccounted for this morning and the exact cause of the fire still being investigated. Let's move now to dramatic new video just released by police from Monday's deadly mass shooting in Farmington, New Mexico. It shows both the chaos that unfolded as well as the bravery displayed by officers and members of the community. NBC's Aaron McLaughlin has that story. Hey, Aaron, good morning. Hoda, good morning. In the nearly seven minutes of footage released to the public, we see four different clips of how the incident unfolded. It's chaos caught on camera. As police continue to investigate, they are praising the actions of their officers and calling the shooting an assault on their close-knit community. We have to warn you, what you're about to see is disturbing. On the lucky side. This morning, chilling video of the Monday morning New Mexico mass shooting that left three dead. The Farmington Police Department releasing ring and police body cam footage of the terrifying incident. I'm being told he's got automatic weapon. In the shooter's own neighborhood, the sound of gunshots ringing out as he fired at random, piercing homes and cars. There were so many shots that it left the impression with some citizens that there were multiple shooters. Officers are seen running towards the danger. And this is sobering perspective of the moment a sergeant was shot. I'm shot! Captured by her own body cam, her colleagues coming to her aid. Subject is down! Subject is down! Also caught on camera, an officer firing on 18-year-old shooter Bo Wilson, who was killed by police. Subject is down! He is secured. Police say Wilson was initially wearing a bulletproof vest modified with steel plates, removing it before a standoff. He is yelling on the ring footage, um, come kill me. It's my belief that ultimately in his head, um, he has made a decision that he's going to stand and fight it out until he's killed. Police now say 97-year-old Gwendolyn Schofield and her 73-year-old daughter Melody died trying to save 79-year-old Shirley Voita who was also killed. According to police, the shooting took place the day before the shooter's high school graduation. Wilson was armed with three different guns and with access to around 1,400 rounds of ammunition, firing an AR-15 assault rifle from his home. As of yet, there's no clear motive. Their only clue, this note found on the shooter's body, reading in part, I'm at the end of the chapter. His family sending their condolences in a statement, writing Wilson was fighting a battle of mental illness that he lost. Another tight-knit community left to make sense of a senseless tragedy. 
All of the injured have now been released from the hospital. As the investigation continues, police say without the community effort to take down the shooter, this could have been so much worse. Hoda. All right, Aaron McLaughlin for us there in L.A. Aaron, thank you. In Washington, there are growing concerns this morning about the health of 89-year-old California Senator Dianne Feinstein. She is the oldest member of the Senate. She returned to Washington just last week following a three-month absence. She was recovering from shingles. NBC's senior Capitol Hill correspondent Garrett Hake has more on these new developments. Garrett, good morning. Hey, Savannah. Good morning. And Democrats were thrilled to welcome Senator Feinstein back. But that return now has turned rocky and her office is revealing that her illness was far worse than previously known. New details this morning about Senator Dianne Feinstein's recovery from shingles. Her office sharing the 89-year-old was also dealing with a number of previously undisclosed complications, including a form of facial paralysis called Ramsey-Hunt syndrome and encephalitis, swelling of the brain. While the encephalitis resolved itself shortly after she was released from the hospital in March, she continues to have complications from Ramsey-Hunt syndrome, her office telling NBC News. The Senate's oldest member, Feinstein, returned to the Senate just last week after missing 91 votes in a three-month span. As she recovers, Feinstein has been escorted in Congress by one of former Speaker Nancy Pelosi's daughters, whom a spokesperson says is an old friend. Many prominent Democrats have been supporting Feinstein, and they need her vote, especially on the closely divided Judiciary Committee, where last week she helped advance three stalled Biden nominees. And though some Democratic House members have called for her resignation, her Senate colleagues in both parties have defended her decision to finish her current term, her sixth, and retire next year. She should be accorded respect and uh, indignity. Right now, she is performing as a United States senator, doing her job. But Feinstein has struggled with elements of that job, missing four votes since her return, and appearing to forget her own prolonged absence in a rare exchange with reporters this week. I haven't been gone. I've been working, she told an L.A. Times reporter. I've been here. I've been voting. Feinstein has been adamant about finishing her term and participating in that key judiciary committee where on Thursday, she sounded like her old self. I was mayor of San Francisco for nine years. There was no program more favorable with people than police on the streets. With a debt ceiling vote likely soon in which every senator's vote could prove crucial, Democrats hope Feinstein remains healthy enough to stay in Washington. Now, some of Feinstein's supporters say the concerns about her fitness and the calls for her resignation are just blatantly sexist. Former Senator Strom Thurmond, after all, retired at 100, and Republican leader Mitch McConnell spent five weeks at home this year recovering from a concussion. While Iowa's Chuck Grassley is just three months Feinstein's junior. All of them, of course, are men. Hoda, Savannah. All right, Garrett, thank you Mm -hmm. very much. Lots more to get to. Let's talk about the housing market. There are new signs it's slowing down. Indeed, the sales of existing homes fell again in April, down 23% from just a year ago. The median home price slipping to just under $389,000. That's the biggest decline in more than a decade. All right, here to make sense of these numbers, NBC's business reporter, Brian Chung. Hi, Brian. So, I mean, we see the home prices down. Is this a good news or bad news story? I guess it depends on who you are. Yeah, well, if you're a seller, 
it's probably bad news because you're having to settle at lower prices. But if you're a buyer, maybe that seems like a good opportunity to look back at the market. But of course, the reason for the home market slowdown is because of high mortgage rates, right? Mm -hmm. So people are paying more than double what they were about two years ago in terms of interest rates just to get into the market. So you're seeing fewer buyers. You're not seeing as many bidding wars. And even in some places, you're seeing prices go down. Although, of course, I want to caveat that by saying it depends on where you are in the country. Some people are not seeing home price declines in areas like the Northeast and also in the Midwest. You're actually seeing prices continue to go up. Let's talk about those mortgage rates you're talking about. And I know you've got a crystal ball in your uh, pocket there. So (laughs) tell us about this. So the 30-year fixed rate mortgage right now, 6.4%. So what are we expecting will happen with that number? Yeah, so the crystal ball is telling me, at least for right now, that those interest rates are going to stay elevated. Now, whether or not they go a little bit higher, a little bit lower, that's a little bit tough for me to say. But the overall story is that the reason for why mortgage rates are high are the Federal Reserve's interest rate hikes. And we're not even sure if they're done with that yet. So if they continue to actually keep interest rates high, even if they don't continue to hike them, if they don't cut interest rates, that means that mortgage costs are likely not going to be anywhere close to the 3% that we saw mm-hmm. two years ago anytime in the near future. I was going to say, keep, keep the crystal ball out for a moment because <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. one question is whether they'll ever go back to as low as we saw, yeah. for example, around the pandemic. I mean, it was almost free money for a long time with interest rates. Right. Yeah. So for the Federal Reserve, they have uh, short term interest rates above 5%. And when mortgage rates were, because again, they're not necessarily tied one to one, but when mortgage rates were near 3%, the Fed had cut interest rates on the short term level all the way to zero. Mm-hmm. So it would be a pretty dramatic situation to see mortgage rates fall back to that level. Now, of course, could uh, a precarious position for the economy push the Fed into maybe lowering some of those interest mm-hmm. rates that can make mortgage rates tilt down? Possibly, but it's a little difficult to say, mm-hmm. at least for right now. Okay, Brian, thank you. Thank you, Brian. All right, time now to say good morning to our pal Dylan. Get a check of the weather. Hi, Dylan. Good morning, guys. You're looking nice and springy this morning. I love it. Temperatures are on the upswing. We're going to slowly warm things up, but we also have our springtime thunderstorms. Today, it's mostly back through Texas into Oklahoma, into Arkansas, too. Large hail, damaging winds. Those are our biggest threats. Low tornado threat, but we can't rule it out. Now, we have a couple systems happening right now. We have this coastal storm that brought some rain to South Carolina. That'll continue to move through the Carolinas today. We also have this cold front. That's the trigger for these storms through Oklahoma, Texas, and Arkansas. Now, this is going to move eastward, bringing some of that rain and thunderstorms through Ohio, uh, through western Pennsylvania as we get into the weekend. But we're first going to start off the day with some rain in the northeast on Saturday. It starts in the morning, then uh, probably exits by mid-afternoon. Most of that heavier rain will fall across Long Island and uh, southern New England. Then this cold front is going to move eastward. So that's going to bring a line of thunderstorms through the mid-Atlantic, through the northeast. And then it's all going to clear out in time for Sunday. So Sunday, the sunshine returns across the Northeast. Temperatures rebound into the mid to upper 70s. So it is going to end up being a nice weekend. It's just Saturday. We could end up with several inches of rain, especially if you go up into New England. Down East Maid could end up with about one to two inches of rain. And that's your latest forecast. Dylan, Dylan. thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Coming up, the feud between Disney and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and the move that just escalated those tensions even further. Gabe Gutierrez taking a closer look this morning. Hi, Gabe. Disney abandoning plans for that major office development in Florida. It could cost the state thousands of jobs, and it comes amid new NBC News reporting about when Governor DeSantis could enter the presidential race. That's coming up. All right, Gabe, thanks. Also, how about some vacation inspiration? How about that? How pretty does that look? (laughs) The unofficial start of summer is almost here, and we're going to reveal the list of the country's top beaches. But first, this is Today on NBC. It's pretty. If you ever needed to be persuaded that bad things can happen anywhere, then take a journey with us. 
from compelling mysteries to in-depth investigations, our Dateline episodes are available as podcasts. Follow Dateline NBC now to get new episodes every Tuesday. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Great storytelling with a twist from the True Crime Original. Alpha One Niner, commence Wi-Fi device checklist. Laptops on. TVs streaming. Game console console. Smart thermostat set for cuddle time. Doorbell camera. Oh, my package is here. Fast, reliable, able to power tons of devices inside your home at once. All systems go. You are clear for takeoff. This is Xfinity Internet. Wi-Fi built to wow. And watch the short film, The Aviators. Now playing at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Back 7.30, a sunny start to the day. That's Bethany Beach, Delaware. And did you know that there are 650 recreational beaches in the United States? And coming up, we're going to meet a man who's been to every single one of them, and he ranks them. So he's going to release his best list for the best beaches in our country. So that's pretty cool. Sounds good. We're inside Studio 1A. we got Chanel in here for Craig. All right. We're going to start off this first half hour, a major development in the ongoing feud between Ron DeSantis and Disney. The entertainment giant just announced it's pulling the plug on plans for a new billion-dollar complex in Florida, which it says will cost the state thousands of jobs. NBC national correspondent Gabe Gutierrez is here with the details on this. Mm -hmm. Gabe, good morning to you. Savannah, good morning. The Disney drama has been escalating for more than a year now, and it appears CEO Bob Iger was not bluffing about the financial consequences. And this all comes amid new reporting that Governor DeSantis plans to enter the presidential race very soon. This morning, NBC News has learned Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is preparing to formally announce he's running for president next week. That's according to two sources close to his political operation. DeSantis, who's already been making trips to critical early voting states like Iowa and New Hampshire, is expected to quickly become a top challenger to the GOP frontrunner, former President Trump. And it all comes as DeSantis is facing new questions over his escalating feud with Disney. We will fight the woke in the legislature. We will fight the woke in corporate America. We will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. The entertainment giant now scrapping plans to build a $1 billion office complex in Florida and relocate 2,000 jobs from California. In a letter to employees, a Disney executive writing, this was not an easy decision to make, but I believe it is the right one, citing changing business conditions. DeSantis's press secretary firing back. Given the company's financial straits, falling market cap, and declining stock price, it is unsurprising that they would restructure their business operations and cancel unsuccessful ventures. They are the latest grenades in the war of words between DeSantis and Disney, which is also suing Florida for stripping its special self-governing status after the company opposed the state's Parental Rights in Education Act that critics call the Don't Say Gay Law. Disney CEO Bob Iger responding last week before the office complex decision was announced. Does the state want us to invest more, employ more people, and pay more taxes or not? Not just because Disney is Florida's largest single-site employer, but also because DeSantis married his wife Casey at Walt Disney World in 2009. Who would have thought (laughs) that when we're leaving... Disney World as newlyweds that, you know, a decade and a half later, you know, we'd be we'd be staring them down over a fundamental fight about 
um, you know, what is appropriate for our kids? Well, of course, DeSantis, if he gets in the race, as the reports are, will have to face President Trump, former President mm-hmm. Trump. How is that going? I mean, we see already oh, ads on the air oh, pro Trump ads against Ron DeSantis. That's right. It'll be very interesting. And for his part so far, the governor has declined to engage with Trump directly. He's left that up to his uh, pro DeSantis super PAC. But according to a phone call yesterday with top donors, DeSantis took his most direct attacks at Trump so far and said that he could not get elected in swing states. He quoted one voter who said that the voter supported Trump's policies, but not his values. And that's according to the New York Times, which listened into the call. Now, I should point out NBC News did not listen to the call and has not heard back from DeSantis's team. But this all comes as he's preparing to get into the race next week. This is significant because he does face an uphill battle. Of course, he's down some 30 points, more than 30 points in national polls. But his team is focused on the electability argument and thinks that in certain states that the polls will tighten. And that's something to watch out for. Again, he's expected to get into the race next week. It's still early. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you, Gabe. All right, still ahead. we got some good news when it comes to food prices, plus smart shopping strategies that will save you even some more money. And Sam Brock is getting us excited for summer vacation, checking out the best beaches in the country. Good morning. Chanel, guys, good morning. If you are from Maine or Michigan or New York or Illinois or Minnesota, odds are you've been planning a trip to a beach for a long time now. We're going to talk to the guy who has made this, guys, an exact science and discuss things like this. Quartz crystal sand. They say this is as fine as sugar. No other sand anywhere like this in the world. Where am I? That story coming up right after the break. Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna Book Club. There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. 739 countdown is on to summer with Memorial Day weekend just one week away. A lot of people are getting ready to hit the beaches around the country. And if you're looking for the absolute best place for that fun in the sun, you have come to the right place. NBC's Sam Brock joins us to reveal the country's top 10 beaches. Mm -hmm. And he's doing it from the winning spot. I'm curious, Sam. Yeah. Oh, please. Look, guys, Dr. Stephen Leatherman, a.k.a. Thank you. I hear you on the other end. Dr. Beach has been doing this list for more than 30 years. It is considered the gold standard for families when they are planning their vacation. And now they revealed the number one beach that took the crown, St. George Island State Park. 
I'm standing right now. Look at this sunrise from earlier this morning. Absolutely stunning. Behind me, guys, there are nine miles of pristine, isolated serenity as Florida and Hawaii fill out half the spots on this list. With winter finally in the rearview mirror, many travelers have been desperate for a little fun in the sun. Memorial Day weekend, the unofficial start of summer, is now just over a week away. The big question is where are the very best beaches to stick our toes in the sand? For some answers, we turn to Florida International University's Dr. Stephen Leatherman, better known as Dr. Beach, who's out with his annual top 10 list. Of the 50 criteria that you look at, what are the most important ones? You gotta have clean sand, clean water, and safe beach. And otherwise, it's not gonna be any way on the list. Other categories, watercolor, with extra points for aqua blue and emerald green to views and vistas, ease of access, lifeguards, even the presence of people with the top spot going to a Florida panhandle gem, St. George Island State Park. So it has beautiful miles and miles of undisturbed, pristine beaches, big sand dunes, uh, freshwater lakes. The water is emerald green. That's one of the most beautiful colors, I think, for the water, ocean water. It's pristine. It is. As for the rest of the 10 best beaches, half the selections are located in just two states, Florida and Hawaii, Duke's Beach in Oahu grabbing the second spot. And not as many people there. And it's spectacular. The backdrop is Diamond Head, the old crater, volcanic crater. A few locations in the Northeast did manage to crack the top 10, including Cape Cod and Massachusetts, where Coast Guard Beach has a sand spit extending from glacial sea cliffs. And the lore of the Hamptons off New York's Long Island, where Cooper's Beach was high ranking with beautiful sand dunes and easy snacks. It's got a great snack bar, actually, uh, for full lunch, great lifeguards, very safe. For those living in South Florida, the rankings focusing on the right features. I actually look right now to have like a calm beach that you can have like a little, like a little deep space for the baby to enjoy the water. When I tell you best beaches in the world, best beaches in the United States, mm -hmm. what do you immediately think of? <sighs> I just Crystal blue water. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Water quality for you is key. Yes, yeah. and not a lot of seaweed. In fact, the presence of potentially record levels of seaweed has caused the biggest shakeup in this year's ranking, with beaches like this Key Biscayne Beauty moving off the list because of it. Let's face it, it looks bad, it smells, it rots on the beach. It's just very unpleasant. How many beaches have you personally visited? All of them. There's 650 major public recreational beaches in the United States. You've been to 650 beaches? I've been to all beaches in the United States, every beach. I mean, must be nice. So, Sam, if people want to visit some of these spots this summer, what are some ways they can save? Yeah, let's be very clear. We all want Dr. Leatherman's lifestyle. Uh, in terms of tip Chanel, you can avoid staying right on the beach. You're going to pay a premium to do that. Go ahead and check to see if the hotel or the town nearby has transportation, whether it's a bus or a bike that you can get out there. Lots of ways to save that way. Also, umbrellas and chairs and snacks. That can really add up $15, $20 an hour or more. So try to bring your own if you can. And then numbers, if you can maximize how many people you go with and stay in accommodations that offer sort of scaling in that regard. Maybe it's a house or it's a property that has room for several families. Another good way to save money that route too. And guys, a lot of folks probably wondering, why is it my favorite beach on this list? Odds are it likely was, but the number one beach on these lists for Dr. Leatherman gets retired for the following years. So in the last seven years, oh, there have been four Hawaiian beaches that have just been taken off the list, but they're still on his website. Okay. And I would add, 
How do you not trust someone who has been to 650 beaches? Uh, you have my my you, credibility. You right. must trust. Okay, so St. George Island, Florida. I've been to Florida many times. I've never heard of that one. Where is it and how do you get there? This is about 90 minutes from Tallahassee, Hoda. So you go to the airport. It's a straight drive really along the Gulf of Mexico. It's hmm. a barrier island and you are isolated. You see all these beautiful, charming, multicolored homes right on the water, hmm. raised up, of course. You get out here and it's just, it's serenity. It is total emptiness. Kayaking, fishing, shelling, I'm told, is very good. Mm. All those activities factor in. There's also a beautiful lighthouse not far away for those that like to check out the history of these areas, too. Wow. Beautiful. What a gem. Beautiful. Thank you. Sam, All right, thank Sam. you. Okay, we can't talk about we beaches without talking about beach weather, Dylan, yeah. how we look in. Well, for some areas, you go down south, it looks great. But uh, actually, I'm going to, we just showed you all the pictures of the beaches. So let's go to a spot that's a little more landlocked. And we're taking you up into Canada, where we do have a lot of wildfires uh, still, uh, you know, being out there at about for about two to three weeks now. While the wind is now out of the northwest for areas like Montana, into the Dakotas, into Wyoming, down into Nebraska. So that wind is carrying in that smoke and it's reducing the quality of the air. So we have air quality alerts in parts of Montana, down through Nebraska, even stretching as far east as uh, parts of Wisconsin into parts of Minnesota, too. So if you do have asthma or if you suffer from any sort of respiratory uh, illnesses. You just want to stay indoors in those areas while that smoke is still in the air. We also have a chance of severe storms today right through the uh, central plains into uh, Kansas, into Oklahoma, where we could see some stronger storms that produce damaging winds and isolated hail. We're also looking at record high temperatures out in the Pacific Northwest, highs well up into the 80s and 90s. And that's your latest <laughs> forecast. All right, Dilly Dilly, what are you two giggling I about? I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm playing rock, paper, scissors for those kids outside. Ready? Oh, outside. Yeah, well, outside. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Rock, paper, scissors. Shoot. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, wait, hold on. One more time. One more time. One more time. Ready, 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 ready. Come, 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 come. Okay, ready? So excited. Ready? Okay. Rock, paper, scissors. Shoot. Oh, oh two oh, scissors. Tie. Okay. Best well, way. Oh, it's so. Oh, one more. One more time. One last one. Ready? Rock, paper, scissors. Shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, He's watching shoot. the monitor to see. Oh, rock, oh you crushed him with shoot. the rock. Oh! Anyway. He's a winner, though. Come Congratulations. on. Congratulations. I, I was happening while I was doing that whole weather report. I'm sorry, but too, I'm, so very com- is- I'm fiercely competitive, okay? <laughs> oh, my gosh. She great. just crushed him in Rochambeau. Okay, Dylan, thank you. Coming up, a story all families really need to see. Carson's got an open and honest conversation with a the teenager. They talk about their shared struggle with anxiety. This is all part of a new push to help people to get support starting at any age. So your buddy Harrison Ford got so emotional yesterday. He's such a stoic, amazing guy. It's really making the rounds. Coming up with Popstar, I'll tell you what happened at the world premiere of the new Indiana Jones adventure. Very moving moment. All that coming up.